Welcome to The Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, and less ukulele. In this episode, it's that time of year when we celebrate another winter and the hope of spring's return. And there's no better way to do that than with a glass of celebration ale from Sierra Nevada. We're breaking down Denny's homage and how to make your own at home. But first, a message from our sponsors. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. The next generation of countertop home distillation systems is here. The all-new Airstill Pro from Still Spirits is a revolutionary still that will look right at home alongside your everyday kitchen appliances. This small-batch 2-in-1 distillation system operates in either pot still or reflex mode and allows you to craft high-quality light and dark spirits at home. No hoses, no complicated assembly, just plug-and-play. The Airstill Pro column cools itself with a built-in high-powered fan. The Still Spirits Airstill Pro is available now at your favorite homebrew retailer. Learn more about the Airstill Pro at stillspirits.com or check them out on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Welcome back, everybody. And as always, remember, if you interact with any of our show sponsors, tell them that you heard about them here so they'll continue giving us money, which means that we'll continue doing this podcast. Hey, we'd do it even without the money. This is true, but the money does make it easier. Uh, Yeah. So it is that time of year. It is the time when everybody's mind starts to turn to the holidays and more importantly, to celebrations. And more importantly, if you're a beer geek, to celebration. How was that for a second? So let's talk Sierra Nevada celebration. It is a tradition. It is a stalwart. It is one of the, one of the classics that has not gone away. Yeah, that's right. I was about to say it's a classic. Yeah. It is the IPA that wasn't an IPA until it became an IPA. (laughs) And for anybody who's not following what I meant by that for, I mean, pretty much, I think, until about the last decade of its existence, uh, Sierra Nevada has always steadfastly said, this is not an IPA. Right. Meanwhile, the rest of the beer community is going, what are you dudes talking about? It's totally an IPA. Um, you know, what, what I find amazing about it is that even though they use the same recipe every year, it's never as good as last year's. This is true. That, that is a, a <laughs> universal complaint. You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, 
It, and it is funny because there are variations from year to year, I think. Uh, not, the, not in the recipe, I don't, no, I don't believe. Obviously, the crops of hops, for sure. Right. I mean, there, there's agricultural differences. There's this, that, the other. And there's also fermentation differences. I'm fairly certain I can taste differences in things. And, of course, you get package variation. Um, so let's talk a little bit about our history about uh, Celebration. How long have you been drinking Celebration? Oh, geez. I don't know. 20 years, maybe. I mean, I, I, I discovered it not too long after I started homebrewing. I might have even discovered it before I started homebrewing, but I, I, I've been drinking it long enough. I don't remember how long I've been drinking it. Yeah. I know I've been drinking it. I don't want to say religiously, but regularly, uh, yeah. since 99. So however many years that is now. Yeah. Right. No, we, we usually go through, uh, Several six packs at the very least. And again, not an IPA, at least until now, uh, but always been an IPA. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know what? And, and as a, a seasonal winter beer, a lot of people have a hard time accepting it because it doesn't have like spices and all that crap that is, you know, often put into uh, a, a winter or warmer kind of beer. And, you know, so people say, how can it be a, a winter beer? Well, it's because it only comes out in the winter. Yeah, it's a and, winter beer of a different stripe. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's what makes it special, you know. Uh, it would be great to have it around all year long, but then it wouldn't be special. I have a feeling that if Celebration were around year-round, it would uh, fade into the background. Would that be? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like so many people look forward to when it comes out. Um, you know, and, and you've actually had a chance to try this year's. I haven't seen it around here yet. Oh, yeah. It's in all your Safeways and grocery stores and liquor stores and all that sort of fun stuff. So it's available. Were uh, you disappointed because it wasn't as good as last year's? I'm always disappointed it wasn't as good as last year's. <laughs> um, let me, let me just say that for those of you who don't get this joke, uh, it is every single year there will be a sizable number of people who will go, it just isn't as good as last year's. And there's, there's no way you can know that. Even if you had saved some from last year, it's a year old. <laughs> you know, let's just say it's a great beer every time it comes out. As we were just talking about, I mean, yeah, there are going to be variations year to year, but I honestly, I always feel like this is just a rock steady beer. I mean, uh, this falls into that same sort of category as like uh, Jubilee uh, to me mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah, okay, there are variations, but you know what? It's always good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. By the way, have you ever had any experience? You mentioned like saving someone holding it for a year. Have you ever had any experience with aging celebration? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, one time uh, there was uh, a can that got lost in the back of my beer fridge. So I actually had it around when I uh, bought some of the current one. Uh, I would say that they were remarkably consistent. Uh, which, which is the same thing I found when I had the opportunity to do a 14-year vertical of uh, of Bigfoot barley wine from Sierra Nevada. Those beers were remarkably consistent in their flavor in spite of having such a wide range of age. So my experience with older Celebration, as I mentioned, I first started really drinking it in 1999, but I've had friends of mine in the Falcons age Celebration for years. Um, I mean years. That's uh, a silly thing. Well, except for, I mean, remember, this is also the time when that was kind of more of a thing. Uh, you remember yeah. when we went to Brazil 
uh, all those years back. Remember they, they had that same sort of pattern where it was like, you know, there was a lot of, a, a lot of feeling very excited about having an older beer. Yeah. Um, and so when I was doing a friend of mine, John Hson, uh, holds a Christmas in July party every year. And when I first started going probably about 2004, 2005, they were doing almost like a decade old series of celebration and they would break out like, you know, six or seven different years of celebration and say, here, let's try all these. And I just remembered that at the time, remember this is before double IPA really becomes a thing, right? So before everybody's all hop obsessed at the time, it was really felt like celebration really hit a peak somewhere around about the year six mark. Um, (laughs) After the hops had really started fading out. Yeah. And I look at that and I think now about how our attitude is about hoppy beer and, you know, how many beers there are out there on the market where people are like, this beer is a month old. It's trash. You know? (laughs) Well, as block 15 says about sticky hands, best before yesterday. Exactly. So I have lots of experience with uh, older celebration. And I think, of course, nowadays, if you were to ask me, I'm just always happy to have celebration nice and fresh. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm that way with any IPA. I'm, I'm of the opinion that uh, I haven't run across an IPA that I think is better older than newer. And if it is better older than something screwed up uh, initially. Yeah. I just remember there was a one tasting I did years and years ago about the head Avery's Maharaja, right? So a big double IPA. Right. And they'd, they'd aged it for, I think it was like a 12 year old bottle of Maharaja at the time. <laughs> and I mean, it felt like a big, strange barley wine, old ale right. thing. It had no yeah. hop character left to it whatsoever. And they're like, do you know what beer this is? And I'm like, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, you've ruined it. No, I mean, it, 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 they had changed it. It was a different experience. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Celebration, like we say, it's an annual excursion to Hoptown. Uh, it is now billed as an IPA. It was not originally. Uh, and they and they also, uh, these days, are really publicizing the fresh hop aspect of it. Okay. Uh, and I think which, that's important because we just had a conversation about I w- fresh I was gonna say. I was going to say, and uh, it is fresh hops, not wet hops. These are hops that have been freshly picked, but they're dried, you know? Um, and there was a, a big thing on, on Facebook when I tried to explain to somebody that there was a difference between fresh hops and wet hops. And they said, no, no, fresh hops are the same thing. Everybody knows that. And it's like, okay, fine. I don't know that. But if, if that's what you want to do, fine. Uh, but so let's just be clear about Sierra Nevada, uh, celebration on the can. It says fresh hop, but that doesn't mean that they were wet hops right out of the field. Yeah. And if you know what a wet hop beer tastes like, and then you go and you taste the Sierra Nevada celebration, you should be able to tell if nothing else, just from the flavor. Right. Yeah. Cause it's not, it doesn't have that kind of green, you know, almost, uh, leafy chewiness thing that you get out of a, a wet yeah. hop beer. Right. All right. So yeah, fresh hop beer, now a fresh hop IPA, uh, basically fresh dried hops, just processed. Now I've never done, to borrow Denny's term, an homage. Uh, Oh, really? Yes. But Denny has done an homage. Yes? Yeah, pretty much every year, at least one batch. We're going to walk through Denny's version, or Denny's inspired by, uh, Celebration, Not Celebration. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think the the notes I have in front of me here says Christmas tree ale. Is that a consistent name for you? Uh, yes, it is. And I should note that uh, this recipe uh, may be something that I modified a bit, but the basic recipe came from somebody, I can't remember who, back on the old Brews and Views uh, discussion forum. There were a number of people who were interested in trying to make celebration and uh, different variations of the recipe. And this one was the one that everybody agreed was closest to the real thing. Right. Now, so in the notes that you sent me, this is marked as batch 329. Right. Do you know when 329 was brewed? Uh, give me a second here and maybe I can find out. Excuse me, wait while we go to the computers. <laughs> There, I should have left this open. You could you could sing while I'm doing this. I don't think the universe needs that. We're getting close. I would say th- oh, 329 was brewed October 26th of 2008. 2008. Good Lord. Yeah. So is that now 15 years? That's what it would be. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. And just just oh, a week over 15 years. Yeah. All right. And the other thing I also have to love for those of us who have been around for a while, the notes that you sent me are straight up ProMash notes. And I think it's funny, even though I haven't used ProMash in I don't know how many years, uh, I still recognize this format and can read right through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Like my brain knows instantly where to go find all the fields. All right. So let's walk people back through this. So if it was 2008, this would have been on your cheap and easy cooler, right? Uh, yes, indeed. So, uh, brewed with nothing but the finest toilet braids. <laughs> That's right. Why don't you walk people through what we've got here in the recipe? Uh, okay, I guess I better pull that recipe up then. It's it's very much your traditional West Coast uh, IPA kind of thing. Uh, it's, you know, because it's got crystal malt in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of crystal 60, which is now everybody's bane in some ways. And again, that just proves, once again, that people who don't want to use crystal are screwing themselves because it's a great ingredient if it's used correctly, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really not into the, oh, no, you can't use any of that, uh, kind of thing, um, because it's just a trend, you know, uh, I, I use whatever works for you. So basically this recipe is 93% pale malt, uh, you know, pale two row and 7%, uh, crystal 60, uh, five and a half gallon batch, at least with my system that works out to 13 and a quarter pounds of pale malt and one pound of C60. That malt is to get you what, a, a gravity of 1064? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. 1064 is what I was shooting for. That's what uh, Sierra Nevada starts at. Uh, and now with the pale malt, any particular right. pale malt or, or was it whatever you had on? Hand? Oh yeah. Back then it was probably great Western. I would guess mm-hmm. maybe raw. Okay. Um, that's what I was generally using. Uh, the crystal was probably breeze. And so a very chewy crystal malt, because I always think that breeze to me always has a, has more chewiness to it and almost always kind of a little burnt character. Uh, and then I've never noticed the burnt character Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure I've noticed the chewiness, but 
I have used so much of uh, Bree's specialty malts through the years because that's what my homebrew shop carried uh, back then uh, that, you know, it's possible I just didn't notice it and thought it was a normal kind of thing. Well, and then let's talk that pale malt uh, because you said, okay, okay. RAR or, or Great Western. Uh, probably or great probably Great Western would be my guess. That's what I was mainly using back then. And, and you know, honestly, if we're not playing around with the craft malts or if I don't have other things on hand, uh, Great Western's what my shop stocks. So. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> more often yeah. than not, I have that. Now, speaking of those craft malts, because I know we, you know, obviously we're big fans of Mecca Grade, and we have uh, some new malts that we're playing with. We had the crisp right. malts that we played with in the past. Uh, any thoughts on with the access to all the modern malts? Would there be one you'd want to go for? You know, that is tough to say. I would think that probably. If I wanted to keep it in the vein of the original, I would just use your basic American commercial malt, you know, uh, Great Western, RAR, something like that, because that's what Sierra Nevada uses. So don't overthink it. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who would go, well, I'm going to use Maris Otter for this. Well, fine if you want to do that, but it's going to be different than the original beer and if that's okay with you then fine yeah once again this is where that homage term comes into play <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> no, nothing nothing wrong with putting a, a different color filter on your homage um, well that well true and even if you use the exact ingredients and exact process it's going to be different so i i'd still call it an homage now single infusion mash because that's what your cheap and easy system would do right well, yeah, and that's what Sierra Nevada does. So just uh, 152 for 60 minutes? Right, right. Yeah, I was lucky that in that uh, when I went to a hop and brew school about 12 years ago, I think it was, uh, maybe 13, they were just brewing the year's first batch of uh, of Celebration. So I got to uh, see it in action and uh, and talk to a few people about it. Let's see, and... and- and if it were me, I would have been running around with my phone camera going, click. Oh, there, got a recipe. <laughs> I'm not sure that we had phone cameras back then. <laughs> okay, fine. I would have carved it on a piece of rock. <laughs> hey, it's only 12 years. To some people, that's that long ago. All right, so we got a single infusion mash. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were only 14 back then. Exactly. Um, I wasn't even drinking back then. That's All right. right, so we got a single infusion mash. Water chemistry back then in 2008. Were you doing anything with your water other than just using the well? Um, I for IPAs back then, I was always throwing a heaping teaspoon of gypsum into the boil, uh, and that's about it. My well water is very good quality. Has just a few little minerals in it. You know, a a moderate level of calcium. Uh, very little sulfate. Uh, you know, so I would just kind of like toss a, a, a teaspoon uh, for, for anything mid-color and especially for IPAs, I would just throw a teaspoon of gypsum into the boil, a large teaspoon, and call it good. There you go. And by the way, everybody say hi to Britain. That's right. Hi, Britain. Shut up. <laughs> Very simple water addition, just the gypsum in order to kind of give you a little bit more uh, bite. Uh, well, dry, dryness, as yeah. Martin says. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the dryness, which leans to the perception of bitiness. Right. And yes, bitiness is actually a proper technical term. <laughs> it is now, right? Exactly. Now, speaking of bitiness, 
It can't be Sierra Nevada and it can't be a fresh hop beer without actually talking about the, the fresh hops themselves. Right. So what it, this is a melange of hops and it is an older school style of, of hopping in here. So walk me through it and also start with the fact it's whole hops, right? Yeah, right. These were, these were whole hop cones, uh, dried. Um, yeah, you notice in the recipe I sent you, there's, uh, two editions of Chinook at 60 minutes, but that's because I had two batches with, uh, different AA. And so I just kind of used both of them to get the, uh, the IBU level I was going for. Mm-hmm. So you get, let me see here. What do you get here? 41.5 and like 52, 53 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get about uh, in the low fifties IBUs from your bittering hops at 60 minutes, which are Chinook. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's uh, about 50 in IBUs worth of Chinook or half an ounce at 30 minutes, which is, you know, something that if I was writing a recipe, I probably wouldn't do anymore. But this is, this is what Sierra Nevada did at the time that, uh, I was putting this recipe together. I don't know if they still do or not. Um, then a lot of Centennial and Cascade, uh, both for finishing and for dry hopping. I mean, uh, a lot being like, you know, half an ounce of each at zero minutes and half an ounce of each for dry hopping. I think maybe in subsequent batches of this, I might have bumped up to maybe a couple ounces of the Centennial just because I really love Centennial character, uh, but kept the, the Cascades as they were. So basically, you got Chinook at 60, you got Chinook at 30, you've got Centennial and Cascade at zero, and you've got uh, Centennial and Cascade for dry hops. And how long on the dry hops? Uh, back then, I was probably doing Forever. them for, <laughs> yeah, a, a week at, at fermentation temp. I might have even, that might have even been back in the days when I was putting uh, the dry hops in the keg and just letting them stay in there until the keg kicked. You know, and it's funny looking at this and how you're talking about upping the dry hops and all that sort of fun stuff. Right. Like this whole one ounce of total dry hop for a five gallon batch. Even today, even after all this time, that's still kind of where my brain starts when I'm talking about dry hopping an IPA. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it, man. When we started brewing for many years thereafter, that was pretty much your standard dry hop charge. Uh, you know, people would be aghast at like 12 ounces of dry hops like I just did. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So we got, again, Chinook, Centennial, Cascade, um, right. which are all very classical Sierra Nevada hops. So I think the only other one that would be missing from the mix would be uh, Perla. <laughs> they, they use that all, all over the place too. Where right. they did. Yeah, um, I don't think much anymore. Yep. And if you were looking at this through your modern eyes, you said, okay, you already bumped up the ca- uh, the centennial, sorry. Um, right. But if you're looking at this from your modern eyes and kind of going from a point of view of like celebration, but now, would you change? What would you change about this? I wouldn't change anything if I wanted it to be like celebration. If I wanted to to use this as a model for a different IPA, now remember, see, now, if you change anything, it's not celebration. So for a different IPA, I would probably either use less Crystal 60 or a lighter Crystal. Um, I would probably skip the 30-minute hop edition and uh, go for uh, a little bit more of the bittering to uh, compensate for it. Uh, I would bump up probably to at least an ounce 
Beach, the Centennial and Cascade at Flameout. And I would probably go for an ounce of Cascade Cryo and two ounces of Centennial Cryo for dry hopping. But it wouldn't end up being much like celebration. No, but I mean, it would be, it would be the modern celebration. Denny's, Denny's modern celebration. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would have a trouble, have trouble even working the celebration name into it because it would be so different. <laughs> this is true. How, how much cryo do you think? Uh, I would, I would say, uh, one ounce of uh, Cascade Cryo for dry hopping and two ounces of Centennial Cryo. Well, yeah, so, I mean, a fair amount, just and loading in all those oils. Yeah. Um, no, by the way, that uh, whole hops, I mean, I can't even think the last time I saw enough whole hops to be able to actually pull this off, you know, as, <laughs> as, as written here from back in the day. So right. I'm guessing we would also skip over uh, whole hops, uh, which, of course, Sierra Nevada loves. Yeah, well, and I'm not sure that that's the case anymore now that uh, that Steve Dressler is gone. Could be, I I don't know. You know, I'm I'm speculating here, uh, but yes, I would I would be definitely using all pellets instead of whole hops. Yeah, these days probably uh, better quality, if nothing else. Yeah, right. And uh, as Glenn Tinseth pointed out many years ago in our interview, uh, years ago when he and we started brewing. Pellet quality was very, very poor, so no, very few people used them, right? Uh, there have been a lot of advances in the technology of making hot pellets since then, uh, uh, like, for instance, uh, YCH uh, using nitrogen to cool the pellet dye so that uh, they get better quality pellets out of it, stuff like that. So these days... My general feeling is that in general, pellets will be better quality than whole hops. Okay. And then fermentation, no surprise. Why use 1056, right? Everybody's favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> duh. <laughs> if you're using something else, then good on you. But that's a strange choice when trying to make an homage to celebration. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, you could get away with like something like BRY97 if you wanted to use a dry yeast. Um, you know, maybe even USO5 because there's enough hops to cover up the peach esters. Maybe. Uh, but you know, really 1056, if you want to try and be technically accurate is the way to go. All right. Yeah. Use, use your 105601 complex and, and go down. Now, let me ask. Okay. When you did this beer back in the day, number 329 in 2008, mm-hmm. how long did you go from grain to glass? God, I have no idea. <laughs> I'd it's, have to, I'd have to go enough. out. Yeah. I'd have to go out and grab my notebook to see when I actually kegged it after that. I would guess probably two or three weeks. Okay. So being Johnny on the spot, because I, I, I have a feeling like if if I were looking back at a recipe of mine from back during this period of time, it would right. probably have been like four to five weeks before I got into the keg. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that that was not the case. I, I would guess maybe maybe two weeks for fermentation and dry hopping and then uh, another week after kegging. But, you know, I'm guessing. I don't have my notes here. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Because, I mean, that's one of those things is trying to think about timing. Yeah, the celebration 1064-ish beer, you know, IPA-ish, you know, IPA adjacent maybe, or classically IPA. 
doesn't need a lot of time. You know, even no. though, again, 1064, you can turn this around in a relatively quick period of time, which means that as you're listening to this, you could definitely, without a doubt, pull off a batch of celebration for Christmas. Oh, easily. Sure. No worries. No problems. Yeah. Go out and get yourself a, <laughs> go out and get yourself some pale malt and some crystal 60, uh, some Chinook, some Centennial, some Cascade and Bob's your uncle, you know, drink yeah, a celebration right. for a uh, celebration homage for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will easily be done before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, even if you're lazy like me. <laughs> All right. Any other questions or thoughts that you, or the questions that you can anticipate people needing answers to or thoughts that you have about celebration or celebration homages? Not really, man. Uh, I just, you know, brew this recipe and go buy some Sierra Nevada celebration and see if you're in the ballpark. Uh, you know, for, for me, that's the, my, uh, my metric when I'm making an homage beer, it's like, can I at least recognize what I was going for? <laughs> is it familiar? Is it, <laughs> is, is this something that kind of reminds you of what the inspiration was? Uh, you know, and it's also funny. Um, the other change that has, uh, well, I mean, apropos of modern times, these days, of course, when I find celebration, I find it in cans. I don't think right. I've seen it in bottles recently. I mean, no, I haven't seen it in bottles for a while. Yeah, so that's a that's another radical change from uh, back when we first started drinking it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I would uh, I would definitely recommend. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming if you're a beer geek, you've had it before. But it's here October to December, so you can go ahead and go get yourself a six pack or a big a bigger pack from the grocery store, and it lasts pretty good. So go get yourself some celebration and also use this as, even if you're not going to brew a straight up homage to to celebration, like what Denny did here with the Christmas tree, uh, I would still highly recommend using this, if nothing else, as a basis for exploring doing kind of an older school IPA like celebration is. Yeah, it, it makes a great template and starting place if you want to do something else. Uh, on the other hand, if you like celebration and you just want to have more of it around, this recipe will get you about as close as you can get. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this exploration of the beer that always is mysteriously not as good as last year's. No, now, seriously, go make yourself some celebration-inspired beer for your own meals and your own celebration. You've got plenty of time. Christmas isn't here yet. The New Year's is there, too. Now, remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast.experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at Denny at Experimental Brew or Drew at ExperimentalBrew.com. You can find us on Twitter, at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every home reform known to mankind. And, of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts, click the HA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association. Join the American Homebrewers Association in November and claim an out-of-this-world offer. Use the discount code 5STAR, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, 
to receive a free 32-ounce bottle of IO Star Sanitizer when you purchase a one-year membership. Get your free IO Star with the promo code 5STAR and find holiday inspiration for great gifts, craft beer recipes, beer and food pairing suggestions, and much more by visiting homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental today. Hurry, this offer won't last. Get the details at homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental. <laughs> 